And so this morning we turn to our scripture lesson for this day. We find it in Paul's letter to Romans, uh, chapter 12, verses 9 through 18. In my uh, New Revised Standard uh, translation, this little section is called Marks of the True Christian. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, our great desire is to be marked as true Christians. To reveal you in the way we live, love, and care for others. So inspire us this morning. Center us on your word. Reveal your way in our lives. Amen. I have lived in Meadville my entire adult life, which is uh, very, very unusual for United Methodist clergy. Dave and I met at Allegheny. We were married here. Uh, we raised our kids here. So what uh, Meadville people know that maybe others don't know in terms of tradition is that ha Halloween is a multi-day holiday in Meadville. Um, the centerpiece of this holiday is the Halloween parade that happens uh, the last Saturday of October. That is to remind, tell any of our viewers or worshipers who aren't here, let them know how we do it here. <laughs> the kickoff is trick-or-treat, which happens, no, not on Halloween, <laughs> but on the Thursday before the Halloween parade. So this year, the parade was last night, October 29th. Trick-or-treat was on uh, the 27th, and Halloween is actually tomorrow. So this is the tradition my kids grew up with. It was the only pattern they ever knew. Uh, the school party on the Thursday uh, afternoon, trick-or-treat that night, Friday off of school, Saturday the Halloween parade. So if you've lived in the Meadville community, well, what happened then was when our four, our two sons and two daughters went to college, they were like, what? is going on here. In fact, I remember our daughter Leanne calling home from college and saying on uh, Halloween, do you know, Mom, that everybody else trick-or-treated on Halloween? Yes, yes, I'm aware, right? And I, and I think I've thought a lot about this week, thinking about tradition and um, this, this holiday, is that we only know what we know. Whatever we've grown up with, whether it be a family tradition, a church tradition, a community, 
that seems like, well, that must be the way everyone does it. Now, um, all of us, whether we're consciously aware of it or not, have, have practices and traditions that, that we hold on to, that we believe are right and true, and again, without knowing, we do think that they're universal. And certainly many are right and true, but most are not universal. Some are trivial, like what day we trick-or-treat on, or in the life of the church, should you use blue or purple candles for Advent? This will not change the coming of Christmas or the coming of Christ. But still, right, in, inside churches, there's a variety of conversations about that. Some of our traditions claim a greater space and importance both in our church and in our uh, community and country. Uh, many of you wonderfully have been part of the class that uh, Reverend Jane Ellen Nickel has been teaching and the discussion she's been leading this fall about the United Methodist Church, who we've been, how we got to this moment in our history, what are our individual and collective choices going forward. As Methodists, we have had practices and treat uh, traditions in the church like holy conferencing that have been good and godly. There are some wonderful holy traditions in the United Methodist Church. And we have also held on to and struggled with practices and traditions that are not holy and good. We know that in our past and even into our current day, there are uh, traditions that are racist and sexist. Um, there are traditions and practices and policies that condemn our LGBTQIA colleagues, family, and church members. We are in conversations about these, and we are convicted on many. Uh, tradition needs to be examined in the light of this scripture passage. Whatever we hold on to as being the way it ought to be, we have to ask ourselves, do they promote, does this promote genuine love? Does this practice, does this tradition, does it contribute to the needs of saints? And what Paul meant was the people inside, the, the believers. And do our traditions and our practices, do they allow us to extend hospitality to strangers? to those outside the current community. I've told you before, I grew up in the Swedish Evangelical Covenant Church with an emphasis on Swedish. Um, when, when I was first entering the ministry particularly, I often got the, uh, the question, now, as a, growing up, did you feel a call to ministry? Did you feel a call to the ordained ministry? Um, it's worth noting that my entire life that I can remember, when it came to when we were kids or when I was a teenager, that if there was a youth service, I was the preacher, right? I mean, I have always felt a call to this kind of ministry. But it wasn't until 1976 that the church I grew up in ordained women. That was the year I graduated from high school. So did I have a call? to the ordained ministry, who would know? Because the church told me I didn't, because it was not possible. So when I think about the tradition of that church, that denomination, and the change that came in it, 
uh, has come, come through that denomination. Uh, an examination of tradition. What do we hold on to? What do we let go of? I was telling someone this last week about my experience as a, as a senior in high school and applying for a, a DAR scholarship. And I was one of the two finalists, uh, me and this other young uh, man. And I got a call. I got a call from the person who was in charge of this. And, and she said, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that although you were very qualified, um, Matt will be receiving the, the scholarship because we still believe that boys need their education more than girls. Right? So in, in my life, when I was reflecting on traditions that groups of people, churches, organizations, all of us have held on to, when I realized that there were parts where I felt limited by tradition, it helps me expand my understanding of maybe just a little bit what others might be feeling. So how I got onto this, this trail, this track of tradition in these last couple of weeks was thinking about this Sunday as Reformation Sunday. And Martin Luther, Martin Luther, brave and brilliant, his ability to risk his own life to speak truth to power in terms of how we are saved by faith, um, how he challenged it, heresies that he saw in the Roman Catholic Church, how his courage made way for so many of us, all of us actually who claim Protestantism as our uh, root of our um, denominational faith, but also changes that came about in the Roman Catholic Church because of him. All this is good and holy, and yet, and yet, we cannot turn away or avoid looking at what Luther wrote about the Jewish community and the Jewish faith. Luther, Martin Luther, throughout his life, wrote negatively and cruelly about Jews. He actually advocated setting synagogues on fire, of destroying prayer books, and at a time wrote that uh, Jews should be expelled for all time. Scholars, many, see Luther's anti-Jewish rhetoric as contributing significantly to the development of anti-Semitism in Germany and provided an ideal underpinning for the Nazis' attack on the Jews. This is Luther. This is one in whom we have uh, grown our faith tradition out of. So we got to stop and say, wow, all of us have been broken and bent by traditions that have been harmful to others. We have to challenge tradition does not, that does not meet the standards of Jesus Christ. So any tradition by any person that promotes violence or allows for violence against any person or group of persons is not of God. Robert Jones, uh, who is a a sociologist and a writer and observer about religious tradition has a book called White Too Long. And in this book, he writes about the strain and the stain of racism that's run through the white church. He gives stories that are historically backed up about white churches in the South up into the 
through the 50s that left worship to go to a lynching? You leave worship. I feel your silence, right? You leave worship to go to a lynching because that was the tradition. Now, not everybody did it, but it was perfectly acceptable. It was perfectly acceptable. And so we denied that is not of God. That is not of God. So that has been changed, but we still have to recognize how hard it was to move beyond. And it continues to be to move beyond those things we hold so dear because it is what we know. To challenge all of these forms of violence that harm our brothers and sisters and communities. Hard to believe, but it is true. Oh God, oh God, forgive us for our sinful ways. Tradition. When I was in 11th grade, our high school spring musical was Fiddler on the Roof. You know, that beloved musical. Um, Those words, words from Tevya about life in Anatevka. A fiddler on the roof sounds crazy, no? But in our little village of Anatevka, you might say every one of us is a fiddler on the roof, trying to scratch out a a pleasant, simple tune without breaking his neck. It isn't easy. You may ask, why do we stay if if it's so dangerous? We stay because Anatevka is our home. How do we keep our balance? I can tell you one word. Tradition. Right? Because of our tradition. We've kept our balance for many, many years. And here in Anatevka, we have traditions for everything. How to eat, how to sleep, even how to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our heads covered and always wear a little prayer shawl. This shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, how did this tradition start? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our tradition, everyone knows who he is and what God expects him to do. All as that story unfolds in The Fiddler, we see traditions change, especially about who the daughters can marry, who they can love. And we also see traditions stay the same. This constancy of prayer and commitment to God as that family travels and changes. We see traditions changed and traditions upheld. Holy and horrific, wonderful and worrisome, freeing, and those that hold people in bondage. All the time we discern what is that way. So our collective work, our collective work is to continue to discern that way, God's way. What, ne- what do we need to hold on to? What do we need to let go of? To keep our eyes open like that boy in that book I read our kids, to see God everywhere. So we pray now in song that open our eyes, Lord, we want to see Jesus. 